The following is a presentation of the Wide Open Mic Podcast Network. For information on this and other podcasts, please go to www.wideopenmic.net. Hey everyone, welcome back to Snap, a Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, I'm Gunner, with me is the great Chris King. Hello. And we are finally at a new Marvel series, the long-anticipated Moon Knight. And, uh, man, Chris, just I know we're going to get into it. Um, I just watched it for a second time this morning. I got up at 6.30 this morning to watch this just because my life has been upended by this new job. Yeah. Just kind of first a vacation and then yeah. coming back Sunday night and starting at 6 a.m., on uh, Monday morning at a new job. It just kind of derailed everything. So um, I used to have a lot of free time where I would watch this at work and take notes at work. And uh, you already hired me. Can't take it back now. Um, yeah. But now um, I got a promotion. So now I have zero time for any of this stuff. Oh, so. same place though. Same yeah, place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Better hours, hopefully. Is it better hours? I, I mean, it's 6 to 2.30, which I think oh. is better because I like getting off early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's not bad. And it's but like, then you have to get up at you have to get up at four a.m. Yeah, right? four thirty. And it's in the city. It's like a mile and a half from my mom's old house. Oh wow! That What's job would have you... been awesome had I still lived with my mom. Yeah, yeah, that would have been a perfect job for it. especially like that's the dream. That was your living with your mom dream, right? Is just being able to go to walk walk to work essentially, yeah. and then do movie stuff all day while getting paid. That's it. Yeah, that would have been the dream. You should have never moved out of your mom's house. Well, for both of us. I think well, both the house of us is still there. I can, I, can, I can move in there anytime I want. I mean, there you go. I'm sure my um, wife will What's love the commute? That. Is it like an hour? Is that it's less than an hour, though? Right? I'll tell like you 45. what. So the first day I put in, I, well, I turn on the car and the GPS automatically logs in because it thinks I'm going to work my old job in, in West yeah, Chicago. Yeah. And so it popped up 558. That was my ETA. And I'm like, oh, I got to put in the new job. So I put it in. And it said like 4.43. So it's like 12 minutes less driving nice. all the way to Chicago than to West Chicago, which uh, is, is kind of nice. Now, driving home, it could be a bitch. And I'm not looking forward to early Cubs games when Cubs games let out at the same Why time. Why can't you can't you take the Metro? Can't you take the train? No, I mean, not really. I mean, I guess I can. It's a little far. It's a little far. I mean, I, I don't feel like walking a mile and a half, but in the oh, morning yeah 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 it's fine i mean, take the train I, to the bus my my, my I, I just remember that was i remember i used to for a very for a year i went to college in chicago and lived in woodstock illinois oh that's a and hike. I took the, it's a hike so i took the train which was an hour i had to if you catch the uh welcome to train talk with chris and gunner but if you tech <laughs> if you if you take the metro from if you get if you get there at like six o'clock in the morning it's the express. Yeah, yeah. So it just does like the two like Northern stops and then it flies through everything else. So it doesn't make the local. And then, but I would get there and I went to school and I would get there like an hour early, but it was like fine because I didn't want to make all the stops. But then, yeah, it was, I think I had to hike like a, it was like a mile from the Metro because it was on state street. Now like, was it, Woodstock is where they filmed Groundhog Day. That is where they filmed Groundhog Day. Yeah. So we, we let, I mean, Woodstock isn't that big, but yeah, we were like, walking distance from that square yeah. Yeah. i stepped in the pothole that pothole that uh he would step in it's still there and, and still as there. soon as i stepped in it i just said that's a doozy 
<laughs> we went to we uh my wife and I went to Woodstock maybe a year, maybe maybe that uh, was pre-covid so I guess 3 years ago right it looks exactly the same it looks just like it and they still have signs uh filming location of the movie of the hit movie Groundhog Day you and I both know it was not a hit movie we loved it yeah. it's big now but yeah but they still have signs everywhere Location of the hotel in the in the hit movie Groundhog Day. It's I watched the first fifteen minutes of it and then fall asleep every year on Groundhog Day. Uh, it's so good. It's just the best. It's Although last time we went there, we ate at. Uh, they turned the jail into a restaurant. I think. Yeah. And so you can like you sit in a jail cell and eat. It's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. No. It's a. It's a. It's a cool place. Woodstock's an okay place for that kind of stuff. Not a good place to live. I'll tell you that not a well, good not place especially if you're going to chicago every day no it was a bad idea we moved to chicago right after that um right after that we i mean we got married my ex-wife and i got married and then we moved to chicago right after i was there um yeah you were there you know i was the best um, friend, and that was that was much better but then i dropped out of school because it was that school was just terrible none of this has anything to do with moon night no, at all no. i don't know if you're gonna keep this in but <laughs> nothing so far has been what the topic is which is moon night which was, I don't know how you, I'm going to let you go and tell me how you felt about it, Gunnar. I, I can't wait to talk about it. I'm so excited. Yeah. So like I said, I just rewatched it for the second time and I effing, and I, while watching it and taking notes, I think I fell more and more in love with the show as it went on. I thought it was so great. And I really liked it the first time, but I really think I loved it the second time. Like it's man, it's, I got some cool theories about where it's going to go. And um, I am looking forward to it. I just want to know more. And it ended great. I, I love the, the the telling of it with the waking up and stuff. Oh, I just loved everything about this. I feel the same way. I loved it. The thing, there's so much we're going to get into, but the thing that um, really stood out to me, and I, I've i never noticed this in any of their other shows, it was beautiful. Yes, like I don't know what yes. the deal is, like if they had a new HD camera or something, but it was beautiful. It was the most beautiful looking show I think I've ever seen, honestly. And it's not, I mean, my TV is, is, is pretty decent. I, I mean, and, and things just look, things usually look pretty good on that, but nothing compares. Like, I don't know if you felt the same way, but that was something that I didn't expect. It was just beautiful, which was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's get into it. Let me go through the, yeah. the, the, the deets, as they say, uh, Moon Knight episode one, the goldfish problem written by Jeremy Slater, directed by Mohammed Diab. And released on March 30th, 2022. So, and then I guess with that, Chris, you want to talk about what the director said about the show? Yeah. So that, that's a, that's great. So I, I did, I, I've started, re- I started reading just a little bit and hearing stuff about it. I didn't go too deep into Moon Knight because I wanted to go in fresh. It's completely different. I do not know Moon Knight at all. I yeah. don't know anything about Moon I've Knight. I've read a little bit. I read the Arthur Harrow part just because I wanted to. I think I. I think I read Moon Knight and Werewolf and and uh, Werewolf by Moon Night. We're not. We're no, no. It's a where uh, Moon Knight and Wolfman oh, is the issue, and it makes it has nothing to do with anything at all. It's just this 1970s craziness. Um, but I think that's all I've ever read, and it's. Uh, I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to know anything about it. Right. So, but one of the things I did see is that the director. I think it was the director. Of the writer said, "We're you're not going to see a lot of." Easter eggs in this, right? Because uh, WandaVision, and specifically when they made WandaVision, they didn't intend for people to have all the speculation about where things were going to go. They were not they anticipating just to make- the craziness that is Gunner. 
Yeah, 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 exactly. Like they weren't saying any of this. Like then when they said, Hey, I'm going to, you're going to meet these four people, my friends, there's about four of them. And one of them is a scientist. They didn't think like, I bet people would think that was the fantastic four. Although, I mean, come on, but they didn't anticipate that. So this one out of the gate, uh, they said, this is not a show that's going to have a ton of Easter eggs. So I, I brought that up to you. It's going to be interesting to see how you handle this because there's not a lot of, uh, not, not a lot of, you know, Hey, what's going to happen in the next you know, the next uh, show or what, how does this connect to the larger Marvel universe? I don't know that we're going to see any of that connected to the larger Marvel universe. And, and it could be standalone. It's also really interesting. They, right before this came out, they dropped all the Netflix shows yeah. on Disney. I mean, right before, and I don't know if that's calculated, but it would be interesting. We always talk about, well, I, I always talk about street level versus larger MCU. And it, this is more to me at the beginning, at least seemed a little more street level than what we typically see in the bigger cinematic Marvel universe. Even if you talk about the shows like Loki and everything it was kind of dealing with, this is a little more street level. So it'd be interesting to see if they're going to, I mean, Moon Knight and Daredevil, that would be fantastic. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. But yeah, I I, I did not, there, and, I, and I, we saw in the first episode, not a lot of like Easter eggs and dropping things and kind of like even hinting at the larger MCU at all. Yeah. That was really good. Um, The other thing that, that was mentioned was that this will have, practically no ties to anything else that's been done before. Right. Which is interesting. Yeah. No. And I, and I think that that's, you know, it's, it's always fun, especially when we did WandaVision. I think you and I have said at nauseam that, that the reason we liked WandaVision is because of the speculation, the anticipation. Then we just found out it was Agatha all along, but and a boner with, joke and a, and a, and the goddamn boner joke. But it's nice to see. I, I was just talking to a friend of mine. It seems like Marvel movies have become like it's not about the movie you're watching. It's about the movie that you're, you're watching going to watch <laughs> go. And you're going to watch like, oh, this movie's going to tell me what's going to happen in five years. It would be nice to say, I just want to watch this movie and enjoy it. Or I just want to watch this show and enjoy it. And I, I, I have been very guilty of that. Like when we watched um, Bucky, when we watched uh, Fuck Winter Soldier. It's all about how does this go into the bigger universe? What's the next episode? Like, no, I just want to watch it and enjoy it. And that's what Moon Knight was. I didn't give a shit about the larger MCU. I didn't care about how this tied in. I just enjoyed the show. Um, and it, it did a it did a great job of that. It was great. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. So I guess, Chris, with that, I, I, I think we should hand it off to you, my friend. Let's do it. So we start out, um, and at the time, we do not know who this is, but we start out with this guy with the uh, with the pendulum on his on his forearm, right? He's uh, drinking a glass of water, makes a glass of water, breaks the glass, puts the glass in his shoe and walks away uh, out of the gate. Just something completely different that we've seen historically in any Marvel show really. And then it cuts into the Marvel opening credit scene. I have to imagine that, uh, that there's something new in this Marvel opening credits. You're going to tell us about, we open to the goldfish. It's called the goldfish problem. I did not pay attention to this goldfish, but I would imagine Gunnar on your second, tr- on your second viewing, you looked at this goldfish as soon as it popped up because it does kind of come into play um, in the show. And then we open to Oscar Isaac. Uh, do you do you know, I, I realize as I'm saying, I'm going to only call him Oscar Isaac because I don't know what his real name is, his character's name is. In yeah, the show. so Steven is the main character in this episode. And then Mark is right. his actual right. persona. And then obviously Conchu is uh, mixed in there as well. I'm not. I'm going you can to call, call him Oscar, Oscar Isaac. I think we're, it's better to call it Oscar Isaac because we're, we're and and I think you're you're probably going to have to help me with what character is he, what persona persona is he at this point? But yeah, but Oscar Isaac essentially waking up and he's in the UK and he wakes up. He's in England. I think he's London 
And he's got a British accent, which Oscar Isaac is not British. A great British, British accent. I thought fantastic. it was fantastic. Really, really good. Um, and he's going to work. He works as a uh, he works in the gift shop of this museum. Funny story, Gunnar. You and I don't know if you know this. I was I worked at the gift shop at the museum at the field really? museum. <laughs> That's awesome. So you <laughs> it was the really, worst job I've ever. Did you have a Donna job. in your job? A what? A Donna, like his boss. Yeah, yeah. Actually, did she call did, you Chrissy? Uh, no, but they a couple two things I remember from that job. Uh, one that they made sure that we clocked in after we took our jackets off. They wouldn't let us clock in and then take our jacket. They're adamant about it. I heard about it every day. Like, hey, I know I noticed you took your jacket off after you clocked in. Like, make sure. Like, sure, man. Well, let's save the 50 cents you're paying me. The other thing I remember is I just really, really hated that job. And we sat in a circle. I think I was in my I had to be in my 20s because I, I had just left uh, Bennigan's bartending. So I was in my 20s. I was just doing this as an in-between before I found a new bartending gig. And they said, they said, I want you to write down what you what you're really happy about on your way to work which is such a <laughs> stupid thing to do like we're in this hourly job like no one's happy about working at the goddamn gift shop at the museum and i wrote down i'm happy because it's only eight more hours until i get to go home. <laughs> <laughs> i hated it so much and then she read all of them aloud and people had like corny stuff and stupid stuff like kids smiling faces when i sell them a doll like shut the fuck up and then she read mine. She's like, I feel terrible for this person. I just <laughs> oh, you didn't that. label it? You didn't put your name on it? <laughs> no, no, no. It was, it was, yeah. No, you just, it was all private. Like, they did, like, I just feel really bad for this person. Not only did they feel this way, but they felt comfortable saying it. And I think I left like the next week. I think I, it was the chocolate exhibit. Remember the chocolate yeah, exhibit? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think I stole a bunch of chocolate and then I said, I don't work here anymore. And then I left. <laughs> I, uh, the only job I had with anything like that was I worked at Walmart uh, in yeah. college and, Every morning they would have a meeting, all the employees. Would, and if you go to Walmart at like six in the morning, you can see these meetings where they all congregate and they do whatever they talk. And then at the end, they do the Walmart cheer. Are you familiar with the Walmart cheer? No. So they're like, everyone claps like, give me a W, W. And they go through. And then after the L, they go, give me a squiggly. And everyone starts doing the squiggly dance. It's crazy. Go to Walmart no at 6 a.m. It'll be the one time that the weirdest people there aren't shopping. I don't want to do. I'm not going to do any of that. I'm not going there at all. Not, I don't go to. I don't go to Walmart during business hours. I'm definitely not going at six a.m. <laughs> but it was right in but, front of the customers too. <laughs> but but yeah. So essentially, we. This is really the beginning. Is just breaking down Oscar Isaac. Uh, dude who works at the at the museum gift shop. His boss sucks. It's kind of standard fare. Nothing we haven't seen where it's like, hey, this guy is not great. And he's kind of starting down at the bottom. He does. We do find out that he's made a date that, with uh, a co-worker that he does not remember. Um, and then after leaving. And he, also that it's at a steakhouse and he's a vegan. <laughs> he's a vegan. He's a vegan. Yeah. And that whole back and forth is hilarious. He's so good at the British accent. Like, I know it's he's not British, but the British accent definitely made that. Uh, so then we, we kind of end this larger kind of intro with him talking to uh, a street performer, one of those like frozen uh, live, a human statue street performers, talking to him about the state and this person that he's going on a date with that he doesn't remember. Uh, and then ends his day kind of locking himself up down, locking himself up. Well, ends his day tr trying to stay awake and spending the entire time looking for ways to stay awake. And there was a montage of staying awake. So up until that part, Gunnar, what do you got? Okay, and I this is before he wakes up yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. somewhere else. Yeah. 
So again, uh, the opening, uh, we start with Bob Dylan's Every Grain of Sand, um, which is, uh, we see Arthur Har Harlow uh, break, we find out later that it's him, but breaking up the glass and putting his shoe, yeah. which is kind of crazy because we later see that uh, Mark's bed, or Mar I'm sorry, he's Stephen here, that Stephen's bed is covered with sand also, and sand and glass are kind of very similar items, you know? So yeah. it's just kind of reflections, the, the two of them. Um, but let me talk a little bit about Arthur Harlow. Do you know anything about the character in the comic? No. No, okay. I, I don't know. Is Arthur the is Arthur the bag is Arthur the guy, Ethan, yeah. Hawk? Ethan Hawk? Yeah. He is in one issue. And he is like a scientist. So he is in 1985's Moon Knight Volume 2, Episode Issue 2. He's a scientist who is a candidate for the Nobel Prize for his work on pain theory. And when they look into his research, they find out that his experiments can get traced back to Auschwitz. So he's essentially oh, wow. a German scientist. And Moon Knight eventually finds a lab. He fights a jaguar and releases the subjects. Of course, he breaks one of their arms, <laughs> one of the, the subjects' arms that he's trying to save. So anyway, that's just him. It's a one-shot villain. So I don't know why they use the name. Um, it's interesting. I wonder if I'm... I am, Doubt that this will have any relevance to anything later on, uh, but just weird that they just chose the most random character to put in this movie, or at least to name the character after. So uh, we'll, yeah. we'll see what happens there. So uh, the opening credits, I noticed two things, and I actually had the Spider-Man Far From Home on my phone and the, uh, or No Way Home on my phone, and I had the, uh, the, uh, Moon Knight one on my computer just so I can compare them. And there are two things. So in Far in No Way Home, they actually removed a shot of Rocket um, and put Spider-Man in there from Endgame when he comes out and his mask comes off in the final battle, when he comes through the portal. They removed that uh, already. So it was oh, in, in the, one in the, movie. In the, in the opening credits. Yeah. The opening credits. They yeah. removed that already. So it was only in one shot, probably because... It's not a Sony film, so they probably can't put Peter Parker in it, maybe. Um, mm. So I, I would be interested to go back to uh, Far From Home and see if that's in there, too. I didn't notice that. But uh, also they removed the shot of Hulk from Ragnarok, where he like breaks through like the big reveal, and they put a shot of the Eternals in. So just that's huh. it. Um, so Moon Knight wakes up in the Stephen Grant persona. And he's chained to the bed, surrounded in sand, like I, I mentioned before. So in the comic, let's talk a little bit about Moon Knight. So in the yeah. comic, Mark Spector, who is the main character, um, is a mercenary who was eventually left for dead. And the moon god Khonshu um, kind of uh, revived him and brought him back to life. Um, and so Mark also has disassociative identity disorder, um, yeah. which is essentially split personality. It's the same thing that uh, that Professor X had in that movie Split. I'm calling him Professor X because he's. That's <laughs> not um, a lot of that. Okay, I thought you meant I, I thought you meant Patrick Stewart. Like, no, he didn't. Oh, oh now I see what you're doing. Guy. Yes, I, yeah. I get it. Yeah. So anyway, so one of his personalities is Stephen Grant who in the comic is a millionaire and kind of the exact opposite of Stephen Grant in this. Yeah. Um, but there's one thing that I thought 
playing Marvel Puzzle Quest, and actually a lot of people I've heard God talk damn. about this. Um, compare uh, compare Moon Knight to Batman a lot. Like this, he's very heavily. They a lot of people say, "Oh, he's Marvel's equivalent to Batman," and there's some similarities. Don't get me wrong, but I think one of the big ones is that Stephen Grant is a millionaire, kind of like a Playboy millionaire. Yeah. So they yeah. kind of make him the exact opposite. And my guess is just to kind of separate Moon Knight from Batman, um, just because I mean, and it's funny. A, a friend of mine is a huge Moon Knight fan. Like Mark Spector, Moon Knight is like his favorite. Marvel character. And so I, I once mentioned that to him about Batman. He went off on 20 minutes on how he's nothing like Batman, blah, 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 which is kind of funny and fun. But yeah. uh, anyway, so I think that's why they wanted just to separate Stephen Grant from Bruce Wayne. Also ironic that it came out the same month as a new Batman movie. So um, I think they're just trying to get that. And I think it's just he's the Dark Knight, he's the Moon Knight. You know, I think people just draw it because they want to make comps. Everyone does it. Everyone wants to take the Avengers and take the the Justice League and and put comps on each other. Oh well, he's uh, Captain America is the Superman and blah 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 blah. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. And people, but not. I mean, but definitely not at all. Batman, not even anything. No, Batman. no. Yeah, exactly. Not at all. Yeah, yeah. That was my. Uh, uh, that was my uh, not knowing the character to get me in that this 20 minute uh, lecture from my friend. So anyway, uh, Mark's fish Gus has one fin like Nemo and yeah. uh, we more on that fish later, but he's leaving a voicemail for his mom who just sent him a postcard. So, I mean, I ask you, Chris, did his mom, is he really leaving a voicemail for his mom? And did she really leave a postcard or is, is the Mark Spector kind of messing with him? The Mark Spector yeah. persona. I, I don't know. I mean, you have to start questioning, and you you watched it again, but you have to start questioning all of it, right? I mean, um, the I, no, we have no idea. We have no idea. I mean, this is the thing. I usually don't like movies where I don't know what's going on, but this movie, I don't know what's going on, and that's what made me like it. But yeah, yeah I have I have no idea. I mean, we we have no idea. I mean, because he gets another phone call. Um, he gets another phone call later that basically calls him. I don't know. Calls him another name, right? Okay. Later down the road, and um, and that person, we don't know what's going on there. You know, what is what is that about? So, yeah. I don't know, man. And there was another. It might have been that same special feature with where they're talking to the director, but um, they they did mention the special feature. I think actually it was um, Ethan Hawke mentioned part of the thing with Mark is that he's got uh, he's an unreliable narrator. So a lot yeah, yeah, of yeah, the yeah. stuff you don't know if it's real, if it's in his head. Um, so I actually have a lot of in my notes that that was fresh because um, I saw that video a couple days ago. So it's, it's kind of fresh in my head. Um, so this unreliable narrator thing, uh, I kind of go back to it a couple times. So anyway, yeah. so, so he gets to work and there's this great scene where he catches a girl putting gum into this little pyramid. And he tells her how in ancient Egypt, they would pull all the organs out of the nose except the heart because you heart. need the heart to be judged in the underworld. The little, asks, the little girl asks him, did it suck for you getting rejected? Now, when I first heard her say that, I didn't think she was talking to him directly. I just thought it was just a general question. But he kind of takes it personal. And he yeah. says, uh, his answer is, that doesn't make sense because I'm not dead. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I but he kind of said it like, am I? Like, 
I just don't think he knows what the hell's going on. So no, well, you know, don't you think there was a little bit of uh, fight clubbiness to this? Like yes, the way that's, that he said that he said uh, Ethan Hawke said this movie is a mix between Indiana Jones and Fight Club. Yeah, which yeah. I found that whole deal of see, keeping himself awake and then finding out things that he he may have done, not knowing what he's doing at night, and then and just being completely out of it. Like that's that's the thing. Even the even if he didn't have the disorder, you know, he isn't sleeping. He's purposely doing what he can not to sleep. So even then, he's completely out of it when he's awake. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And 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 we get to that. And a lot of it, I got a lot of the fight clubbiness out of uh, oh, yeah. just of that piece. Yeah. But I also even this first episode, I think it's very the Fight Club versus uh, Indiana Jones is very very accurate. Absolutely. And I think we'll see much more Indiana Jones when we get into the. Uh, you know, I'm assuming we're going to get much more into the Egypt stuff. So. Yeah. Um, then after a brief scene with Donna, his boss, the woman comes up, which we mentioned her before, and asks if they're still on for their date. Of course, he had no clue about it. Uh, right. And then I find this interesting. So he tells Donna that the poster for the Ineads are incorrect. She has no clue what he's talking about. And he explains that they are a super group of Egyptian gods. And he starts going through the list. He goes, Horus. Or uh, a serious Tefnut, and she kind of cuts him off. She says, uh, he tells her that there's only seven and there should be nine. Of course, she says, I fought two of them for being light, which is hilarious. Um, <laughs> but uh, here's a little bit. I, I deep dove these, this Ineod. So I, I bear with me here, but I, I found some interesting stuff about it. So the Ineod or the great Ineod was a group of nine deities in the Egyptian mythology worshipped at Heliopolis. Um, the sun guide Autumn uh, his chill. So th- this is this is the list. The sun guide, God Autumn or Adam, uh, Adam. Probably that's where they get Adam. His children, Shu and Tefnut, or as I like to call them, Tefnut. Uh, their children, Jeb and Nut. Lots of nuts in this family. And then their children, uh, Osiris, Isis, and Set. I uh, uh, Osiris, Isis, Set, and Nephates. And then sometimes, sometimes, that's nine right there. Sometimes they would include um, the son of Isis and Osiris, Horus. So the first one he mentioned is Horus, who is technically the 10th member of the nine-member supergroup, the Inead. Yeah. So interesting that they would mention that. So hmm. um, if you look at the poster that he's holding... You see a couple of them on there. You see Shu, you see Horus, you see Osiris. I was trying to catch who was, which were the two that were left off. And then once I found out Horus was an extra one, the three that were left out. So we see Shu, Horus, Osiris, Tenet, and Heather, Hathor. Um, so if you notice. Wait, are, are, are you saying that you think he, you, th- you, you think he might be one of these? Is that what you're saying? Well, I'm just going over who this group is that he keeps mentioning right, right. that he mentioned and how okay. he's wrong about it. again the unreliable narrator. Maybe he's wrong. Maybe Marvel is changing this to suit Marvel. But uh on the poster there is someone named Hathor. And if you were paying attention, Chris, Hathor is not one of the nine or one of the ten. So interestingly like, enough, Gunner. Interestingly enough, don't care? I was not paying it. I was not paying attention. <laughs> I know, but but I looked up Heather. I'm like, well, who is this person that's not one of the nine that yeah, is yeah. on this poster? So I looked it up, and Heather is the sky deity, which some sources have as the mother of Horus. 
and also the lover of Horus. So, as I mentioned earlier, Isis and Osiris were considered Horus's parents. But in the Osiris, Osiris myth, as far back as the late Old Kingdom, the relationship between Horus and Hather may be older. So, bear with me, Chris. I know, I know, I'm losing oh, wow. you guys. Horus only came to be linked with, with Isis and Osiris as the Osiris myth emerged during the Old Kingdom. After it was... Uh, firmly established that uh, Isis was Horus's mother. Hathor continued to appear in this role, especially while nursing the pharaoh. So essentially, they kind of retconned it, but there's all these pictures of, of Hathor nursing uh, pharaoh, or uh, nursing Horus. So they're saying she's his lover and his mother, but then they credit his mother, his parents to this other one. But then I found this, Chris, because I'm like, uh -huh. why would they do this? So here's another thing down more on, on Hathor's uh, Wikipedia page. Hathor's joyful, ecstatic side indicates her feminine pro -act, proactive powers. In some creation myths, she helped produce the world itself. So she was the one that created the world. Um, Adam, who we talked about earlier, uh, a creator god who contained all things within himself, was said to have produced his children, Shu and Tefnut, um, and thus beginning the process of creation by masturbating. The hand oh. he used for this act was called the hand of Adam, uh, which represented the female aspect of himself, and he could uh, be personified by Hathor. So, or uh, they said Hathor, this goddess Nebetapet, or uh, Lusset. But none of that is as important as this next line. In oh. late creation myth, from the Ptolematic period, which was about 332 to 30 BC, the god Khonshu is put in a central role, and Hathor is the goddess with whom Khonshu mates to enable creation. So, in part of this ancient mythology, this Hathor mates with Khonshu and created the world. Oh. So, again... We know Kanchu, uh, he actually shows up. He's going to be a major player here. There are some places that put put her as the mater with Kanchu to create the world. So I'm interested to see how this plays out. Because like I said, he firmly said, hey, there's supposed to be nine here. And we know that there's actually ten. And we know that there's two on the poster that aren't one of the nine. So there's actually yeah. now eleven. So I'm interested to see more. And I do have more on this a little bit later, a little small thing. But, um, and then the next thing I have is when he's trying to stay awake. Oh, when, yeah, that, I, we go up to him trying to stay awake. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I went up to, because the next scene after that is him waking up um, in a different place. So I don't know. Do you have anything on him trying to stay awake? Oh, uh, yeah. So, so um, I did actually, with all my interest, he was reading a book on the Indian. Okay. So yeah. I'm like, oh, so maybe they'll explain more. So they at this one point, you see a page. They show it twice. I tried to do my best of getting all the names because they show kind of like a chart of all these people. So yeah. at the top, they show a Sirius. Underneath them, you see Horus. And then a third one that I couldn't quite make up, make out. It kind of looked like is Isis or Isis. That's mm -hmm. my guess. But again, it went by really fast. 
I probably spent five minutes trying to pause it at the right second. I couldn't do it. Um, so then <laughs> underneath them, four and five were Adam and Shu. And then six on this list was uh, was Hathor. So according to this list, and then there looked like there were two more on the side that his hand's kind of covering. So that might be, um, the, again, that six. So where these other three people are. Uh, yeah. But on this list that he's going off of, this book is showing Horace and Hather also. So, um, And then, uh, yeah, the next thing I have is uh, him waking up. And that's, you know, I, I think it's, and I'm obviously joking with you, Gunnar, that, that is, I, I don't make that connection. And I mean, that's what we do this show is to see, it. that's what we do this podcast is to t- kind of see like that stuff and where it's going. I mean, there's not, to me, I think that that is going to be heavy. And I think it's, instead of us looking at comic book, this is going to be an interesting dynamic for you and I, because it's not going to be based probably too much on comic book lore, but more than likely on Egyptian lore. We know that for a fact, right? So I think that that's going to be helpful, and I have no doubt that's going to come up later. Um, but the next scene is where it, this show takes off yes. out of the gate, man. It's really it, they just set up set up is great. The you're essentially in like a Simon Pegg comedy for you know for lack of a better term. That that's that's what we're in, and then after that, it is Indiana Jones. He <laughs> he's. He's landed. He's, he's. I'm assuming landed on the ground. It seems like he might have jumped out of window because his jaw is dislocated. He puts it back in. He pulls a gold uh, scarab right out of his out of his pocket, and then absolutely out of Indiana Jones, he sees this guy in the window and he waves. And then I don't know if you remember that. I think it's I think it's Temple of Doom yeah, where yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, where short round waves. He's like, don't wave at him, right? <laughs> is that is that that is Temple I of Doom? Think, right? yeah, I think that's sure. right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so and he says don't wave, and it's also in it's also in Waterworld uh, when Kevin Costner he, she's waving at the pirates and he hits her in the head. Smart regardless, enough to have never seen Waterworld. It's it's no good, man. It, <laughs> it's bad for a reason. It's really bad. But he waves, and then and then, but instead of Oscar Isaac being the guy like, why am I waving? The other thug says, "What are you waving at that dude for? Shoot him!" And then two of the worst shots I've ever seen in movies. He's standing there, maybe a hundred feet away from them. Uh, he's just standing there looking at them, waving. And they shoot and miss him entirely. Two, two people completely miss him the whole time. And right? I find it interesting uh, that we find out later that they're in the Alps, but those two guys speak English. So that's true. They're they're yeah, probably yeah. not locals. They're probably I'm assuming work for Arthur. It's a good call. And he ends up running. Uh, he's definitely there are other people, other uh, thugs dressed the same way as the two thugs that were originally shooting at him. He's walking through, you know, whatever town this is in the Alps. It's obviously a small town. It looks like every single person that lives there, maybe 60, 70 people all gather in the square trying to buy, uh, I don't know, the military or these thugs or whatever they are. And then you see Ethan Hawke kind of standing in the middle, definitely walking around as this sort of messiah that they're following around, kind of listening to him. And he basically judges uh, an, an initial person, judges them, his little, um, the little uh, pendulum thing. Pendulum? Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With uh, little, it's yeah. like the, um, the, the what are they weighted. Yeah. Thing. Scale. That? Scale. Uh, scale. The way, yeah, scale, scale of justice. Scale is the word. <laughs> scale of justice to determine if a person's good or not. Somehow he's making that determination between his holding their hands and his cane swinging around. The first guy judged to be a good person. The second woman, old woman, judged not to be a good person, and he kills her. She dies. She falls dead to the ground. Um, they then, you know, then uh, the thugs go up to Ethan Hawke and say, hey, we lost him. We can't find him. 
And then Ethan Hawke says something in whatever language he Egyptian. says it in. It was Egyptian. E- Egyptian. Okay. And then they they kneel, and Oscar Isaac, of course, is the only one standing because he has no idea what's going on. Um, and I and love how he put him. the hood over his head, like yeah, like all the good Marvel characters that can't, of course, you know. Every and I love time. how in Ant Man, Ant Man's like, he's like, he's like, how are they not going to notice us? We look like us going to a baseball game because they put on hats <laughs> and sunglasses. <laughs> Which is hilarious, but it's, yeah, but, and then the, I mean, I think I would probably end it here, Gunnar, even though this is sort of in the middle of the scene, because that's when Oscar Isaac sort of, you know, Ethan Hawke asked for the scarab uh, and and Ethan Hawke is, er, uh, Oscar Isaac is happy to give him the scarab, but then can't. So before we get into all that, you know, we're in the Alps, we're with these people, Ethan Hawke is now showing up. What do you got? Okay. So uh, when Mark wakes up and like you said, is his jaws dislocated. We finally hear the voice of Conchu, which do you catch who's voicing him? No, no, I have F. No idea. Murray Abraham, which is great if you don't know who F. Murray Abraham is. Um, but I thought he, oh, yeah, 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 he killed that voice. That voice was awesome. Yeah. He did a great job. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And F. Murray Abraham is in a show on Apple TV Plus called Mythic Quest, which. I cannot recommend highly enough. It's by uh, Mac from uh, uh, Always Sunny. Um, he wrote it and directed some of it. And uh, oh, I've watched Mythic Quest. It. It's really, really good. And Ephraim Abraham bit. is great in that show. He's like the, He's writer, the writer of the game. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a little, it's a little uh, Silicon Valley, a little bit, but you mix in like nerd gamer stuff. Yeah, like yeah, if you're yeah. super into like RPGs, like it's it hits all those buttons. I love that show. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's great. So. Uh, anyway, uh, then we return to the city and Arthur and his followers, and one of them offers to be judged by their goddess, which we find out is Amit. So here's a little bit on Amit, just just for all you. I do the research. I get up at 630 in the morning to do this research so you guys don't have to. So anyway, Amit, the devourer of the dead. Um he was a, or she, I should say, was a demoness or a goddess in ancient Egypt religion uh, with the four quarters of a lion, so its front legs are a lion, the hind quarters of a hippo, so its back legs a hippo, and the head of a crocodile, which are the three largest man-eating animals known to ancient Egypt. So I thought that was interesting. Um, her titles include Devourer of the Dead, like I said, um, the Eater of Hearts, and the Great of Death. Great of death, yeah. So Amit lived near the Scales of Justice, I guess that's what they're called, in Duat, the Egyptian underworld, um, in the Hall of Two Truths. So Anubis would weigh the heart of the person against the feather of Mayat, who was the goddess of truth, which was, I think, a uh, pelican or a scarecrow or something. Do I have that? I read that. I don't know if I put that. Um, ostrich, ostrich, sorry, way off. Um, so Animus would weigh the heart against the feather of Mayat, who is the goddess of truth, who is depicted as an ostrich. So if the heart was judged to not be pure, uh, Amit would devour it and the person would undergo judgment and was not allowed to continue their voyage towards a serious and immortality. Once Emmett swallowed the heart, the soul was believed to become restless forever. This was called to die a second time. Emmett was sometimes said uh, to uh, to stand by the lake of fire in some traditions. The unworthy hearts would be cast into the fiery lake to be destroyed. And some scour- scholars believe Emmett to be the lake rep- uh, Emmett and the lake to represent the same kind of concept of disrupt- disruption. Dis- but I found this interesting. It said 
uh, Amit was not worshipped. Instead, she embodied all that the Egyptian feared, threatened, and binded them to eternal restlessness if they did not follow the principle of Mayat. So Amit, Amit was not worshipped, but it seems like here these people are worshipping Amit. So yeah. huh. I found that interesting. And of course, if we didn't notice that story that Stephen was telling the girl about how they would pull the the things out of their nose and weigh the heart. He's talking about Emmett right there. So hmm. I, don't know, I don't know if you caught that. Uh, I did not. No, I did not. That's interesting. Okay. Yep. yep. Okay. Um, yeah. And the next thing I have is the, the, uh, the scene with, after they find out who he is. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But what, well, it's the scene essentially where it goes as to the next place that I was going to go is he's running away, has the scarab, Oscar Isaac wants to get the scarab back. He can't. He's trying so hard to do it. Um, he is running away. He's confronted by the thugs. He goes out, go black, wakes up. His hands are bloody. The scarab's bloody. Those guys are out. And it's amazing. And it's awesome. Like, I I, I want to see the fight scene. I really, really hope. I, I mean, I, whatever the, I, I'm really, I have a lot of trust in this show. I think this show's going to be really good. But it'd be interesting to see if they go back to it and just show us the stuff we missed, like him jumping out the window and then waking up or him, you know, how he takes out those guys would be kind of cool. But if they don't, I mean, I'm, I'm very good with how they handled this. And then he is escaping. The next thing he knows he's in the van, right? I mean, he jumps in this van, he's driving around, people are chasing him. He goes in and out. And it was such a cool way to handle this. The reason I've never read Moon Knight is I remember in 1993, it was a big deal. Uh, this guy named Stephen Platt was the artist, and it was like the biggest deal in comics in 1993. And that was I was 14, the heyday of comic books. So I picked it up, and I and I because I wanted to see it. And the art was at the time fantastic. I I will have it as recommended reading at the end of this episode. It's now it's just 1993 garbage. It's it's absolutely terrible. But and it's Mark Spector actually. But it didn't make any sense because it was. You know, I was 14. They were dealing with this multiple personality disorder um, was what it was called at the time. But um, and he, I, he was always in and out. He's always talking to his God. It wasn't just straight action. They handled that really, really well here. All of that stuff was in the comic books and it was confusing, but they handled it so well here. It was amazing. And this fight scene, this chase scene was just, man, it was phenomenal. It was so, so good. Um, and then, you know, after all of it, he wakes up and essentially this is a dream. Um, he wakes up to his goldfish. His goldfish isn't right because his goldfish have both the fins. He says, how did it grow back? How did it grow back when he went to the pet store? She, she said, well, when I told you, I told you last time you were here that we don't sell fish with no fins. And he obviously Oscar Isaac doesn't remember being at that pet store. So we don't know what happened to the fish, but one of his other personalities does know what happened to the fish. He shows up at the date. Oscar Isaac thinks that whole adventure, that whole uh, episode with in the Alps thinks it was a dream. He goes on his date. And finds out that it's actually two days later um, and that the the woman that he made the date with that didn't know he made a date with has been stood up. Um, and then, you know, he's just kind of going through what happened. He finds out he hasn't gotten out, but also finds out that, you know, his possibly his other personality is doing things without him knowing that it's kind of caught on. Um, so it was crazy. Um but I, there, that's a lot kind of going on. Obviously, um, he is talking to his mother again. He calls his mother again, right? When he's After leaving. After the date, yeah. After the date, she never answers. It's going to be interesting. Um, and then he puts the goldfish in. And then he starts investigating. I think that's when he finds out that his other personalities have been doing some things without his knowledge. And I think this is where he gets the call from the woman ta- calling him. Did they, she call him Mark in the phone call? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it calls him Mark, and says, you know, where have you been? Where, where have you? Where, you know, we we don't know where you are. And then she says, what's up with the accent? Um, so that's a lot. That's a lot of stuff. And obviously, the next scene that we're going to go into is is going to be a pretty big deal. So I think we'll end off in the elevator gunner where he sort of meets whatever the God is that he's talking to um, is about to attack him. And it's actually an old woman uh, who says, who uh, says, how are you? And he's balled up in a corner afraid of her. And uh, she's just kind of annoyed by him being a jackass. But up until that, you know, what do you got? And I know there's kind of a lot packed in there. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I should be doing this all the time because I think every song that they play has great meaning for the scene. So when he steals the cupcake truck, it's wake me up by wham, which is yeah, just, yeah, and that yeah. song just fits so well with that scene. Um, and I love how I love the blackouts. I love them so much where he just blacks out and wakes up. Um, and that was cool. I just, that, that, I love that storytelling. So he wakes up again, and now it's morning, like you said. We find out that Gus's fin has grown back. Uh, we also find out that it's Sunday and not Friday, which, seriously, is there anything worse than waking up and realize you missed the weekend and you have got to go to work the next day? That's <laughs> got to be the worst. Um, <laughs> so as he walks back from his missed date again, um, which we can kind of, you know, kind of guess he's talking to his mom. We assume that. He's just talking in the answer machine. As he leaves her, he says, Laters, Gators, which, of course, the most dominant part of Emmett is the crocodile head. So I thought that was kind of funny. Gator, crocodile. Of course, another, you know, difference between them. Um, So he tries to feed Gus the fish sprinkles, which I'm pretty sure would just kill the fish if it ate the sprinkles, (laughs) which is funny because... When they showed him, he had sprinkles all over his face, which I'm assuming they were from the candy that he bought the girl from his date. Um, but um, yeah, so he drops the he drops the candy, which none of the candy that he dropped has sprinkles, but he still had them on his face, <laughs> and uh, he finds uh, he finds he lifts up the carpet and kind of finds that it. Like if he moves something, you could see a hole in the wall, like a miss a panel. So he goes to the panel, he takes the phone out, or he finds a, a old flip phone. So all there's tons of missed calls, all of them from Layla and one from just it just says to camp. So looking, yeah. look, I I did a little research. I won't I won't get too much into this, but um, Ducamp is more more than likely Frenchie Ducamp, who was his best friend from the comic, and I've seen other people mention that he was like his tech guy that made all his tech for him. Um, so Layla, I could only find one Layla in the comics, um, and it had nothing to do with Moon Knight, but Layla uh, is a mutant from Hell's Kitchen named Butterfly. I don't know if you're familiar with Butterfly. No. Um, but Mark did have a lover... Uh, named Marlene. So, the, I, you know, they kind of combine two characters. So let's see. But uh, the only thing I found interesting was he and Marlene had a daughter whose name was Deatrice. But when Kanshu sensed Mephisto's plans for world domination, oh Mark left the daughter to fight with Kanshu to stop Mephisto from taking over the world. So Mephisto has ties with Kanshu and Moon Knight. I, I mean, as you're talking about it, this is the stuff that's actually your everything you're saying is 
in the books. Like it's yes. in these comic books. And this is, and I, I'm, this is I'm what the director specifically told me was not going to happen, but it's not Easter eggs for larger Marvel cinematic universe, Easter eggs for the larger uh, Egyptian universe, which is why, like when I was a 14 year old kid, this is stuff is in there. And this is why like, I didn't care. I just wanted to see uh, I, that. That's when smart Hawk was coming out. That's when, you know, Spider-Man was, I think it was Eric Larson or doing that image was a huge deal. Like I just wanted to see people punch other people. And on one side, it's just, this is why I didn't get into it. On the other side, it's like, this is what makes it probably ahead of its time. Um, because this was in the book, all this stuff is in the book and Moon Knight. If I think about Pulp Hero, people say that, throw that word around, uh, that phrase around a lot. Moon Knight is the Pulp Hero. No question. I mean, he's been around since the seventies. This kind of shit has been going on since the seventies. And I think that's why it's because he's got all this kind of grimy other stuff that he's dealing with. And he's just not, he's not as popular. Um, maybe because of that, because it wasn't just like easy stuff going in and punching somebody in the face. There's just a ton of stuff going on. Um, but I, again, I think that's where this show just puts that all together, kind of drops it for people like you that are lunatics that are interested. It's there. But then for people like me who just want to see uh, uh, Moon Knight punching a giant demon dog, that's there too. It does it. It balances really, really well. Mm-hmm. All right. So next I have is the elevator scene. So yeah. So he's in the elevator with the lady. The well, the who is that guy? Because I, I, I. That's conscious all the way up to. That's conscious. That's what he said. So then after that, obviously he leaves the elevator. He is going to work. It's been two days later. Uh, he goes to the museum. He uh, sees the one of the. Uh, does he walk up on the thug at this point? No. No. So yeah. he he sees Arthur on the bus. He sees Arthur on the bus. That's right. He sees Arthur on the bus, um, and he believes that. I'm trying to catch up to where we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he sees Arthur on the bus. He thinks he sees Arthur in the museum. He does confront Arthur there. Uh, Arthur does the judging thing that he did in the small town where uh, one of the guy passes a good person. The woman, um, the woman obviously didn't pass and she ended up dying. And then uh, he judges Oscar Isaac, judges Moon Knight and says there's chaos. Yeah, there's chaos in you and walks away. And Ethan Hawke says, let him leave him alone. So then we just go to night. I mean, we don't see how it happens during the day. We don't see what happens with Oscar Isaac's job, even though he's been gone for two days. I can tell you in my own experience of working in a museum, they will take any warm body they can get because that job is terrible. And if you can stay there, if you will keep coming back, they don't care that you miss a day. So Oscar Isaac is running around at, in the at, in the museum at night. Uh, he believes someone else is there. And there is, there's a demon dog that has been released. Ethan Hawke says, releases this demon dog to take him out. And this this demon dog is a monster, right? The jackal. So, the jackal, right? So Oscar Isaac escapes to the bathroom. Oscar Isaac has a fantastic scene of him talking to his different personalities in, in the mirrors, which is amazing. And, and a voice, Oscar Isaac's American accent comes out and says, you got to let me out. He is finally released. Moon Knight is released. His suit shows up. It's not a, it's a symbiotic or, or maybe not symbiotic, but it's a living costume where it's not something he puts on, but something that kind of, goes on to him he becomes moon knight and then the next scene again just the the cuts and the edits and the just how they do this is phenomenal we don't see him just like fighting the dog we see this gigantic monster dog who just at the time seems unstoppable trying to get out of the bathroom and is pulled back in by moon knight who just punches the dog to death um and that is that is the show um but all that stuff gunner with that kind of final uh, final uh quarter of it what do you got 
Okay, so let's start in the elevator. Um, so I wrote this down just because it kind of didn't make sense a little. So we see Marco, he's on the fifth floor. He gets in the elevator and he goes down to three. Um, and then he's pushing G to get the thing closed because he sees the, uh, he, uh, let's see, pushes G to go down. It opens on two. And that's where we see Conchu. So he's on five. It opens up again at three. And then it goes down to two. And that's when he sees Conchu walking towards him. And he's uh, he's trying to close the door. And, of course, that's when it becomes the woman. So he's going down, if you remember. They're going down. All of a sudden, right. they get off on five. <laughs> or, uh, the, yeah, so he, gets, so he gets off at five again. So the elevator doesn't really make sense. Again, you know, is this the uh, the narrator not being credible? I don't know. Or is this? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. So then, uh, of course, he wakes up on the bus and we see Conchu on the street. He drives by Conchu, which is freaking awesome. And then he gets off the bus and we see that Arthur was on the bus. So Arthur shows up at the museum and tells Stephen that, uh, or, uh, that the beetle belongs to Ahmed. But Stephen calls it a beetle. Right. And he right. says that... Uh, the scarab belongs to Ahmet and uh, Stephen calls him uh, the boogeyman. And Arthur explains that Ahmet would not wait, would not wait for sinners to commit their crimes before punishing them, uh, which kind of makes sense because if you remember when he was doing the, the woman, she's like, well, I've been a good person my whole life. And he makes some comment about how, how, uh, you know, Ahmet judges the whole body of someone's life, not just, up to the present. So that this kind of makes that make more sense now. Um, and so um, Arthur then states that uh, Ahmet has uh, had, had Emmett not been, uh, had Emmett been allowed to stay a bunch of evil pit people. He named a bunch of people like Hitler and stuff. And it's funny when I first type Hitler, it auto corrected it to titties. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> Because that's because titties are safer than Hitler. Yes. That's uh, hilarious. So then he said that he was betrayed, even betrayed by her avatar. Um, which uh, Mark says, Oh, like the blue, blue people. people. And then he <laughs> yeah. goes and then he kept talking, he's like, You mean like the anime? And of course the uh last airbender avatar was where the world got the great Dave Filoni, who has been yeah making Star Wars awesome for ten years now, fifteen, <laughs> twenty years almost. Anyway, um, so then uh, after, oh, then Arthur tries to judge him and he says that there's chaos there. The scale just keeps going back and forth. And I can't interpret that. You can say what you, if you're not, if it's different, but as there's so many personalities in there that each personality is kind of weighing it down. So probably one personality is good. Another personality is bad. Yeah. And it's yeah, just chaos. That's a good call. Them, yeah. so. Uh, so then after the museum closes, Mark leaves when he hears what he thinks is a dog and he walks past the mirror. And of course the images stay in the mirror, which is awesome. There's a lot of yeah. like mirror imagery in this and even stuff that's not mirrors like puddles. Like when he first gets to the museum, you see that reflection in the puddle. And when he's talking with the uh, street performer, like it looks li like you're seeing the scene and it looks like, you're seeing it straight, but then you realize that you're seeing the reflection in the puddle. So lots of uses of mirrors and puddles and stuff, which is pretty cool. Um, but then we find out that that dog is a jackal and not werewolf by night. There was so much speculation that that was werewolf by night, but it was just a jackal. And I found out when I did this week, I did um, 
MCU's Bleeding Edge on YouTube, one of the guys pointed out that uh, the Jackal, uh, it's from the comic, and it was like, it's like one of the most famous covers in uh, Moon Knight history. It's like the most expensive issue outside of issue one of Moon Knight was just this awesome cover with this Jackal on it, which I tried looking it up. I couldn't find it, but I'll take it. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Yeah, I don't know what that is. I'll take their I don't know what. Um, but, uh, he ends up going in the bathroom. He's running away from Jack who goes in the back room and you see Mark and he asks him to give him control and he tells Mark that he's not real. And then all of a sudden he starts transforming into Moon Knight. And, uh, but if you look at the reflection in the mirror, only actual Steven transforms to Moon Knight. If you look at the reflections, they are not transforming into Moon Knight kind of cool uh, that, that is cool time. that is cool and then he yeah. turns in the moon knight beats the shit out of the jackal and walks out end of episode yeah so it's great. i i think here's my prediction chris i think the next episode i think they're gonna wandavision this shit um and the next episode will be um the story told from another point of view um i know yeah. he's got a persona called jake lockley who is a cab driver. So my guess, my prediction here, we will, I will say it here next episode. We, it will just be told from Jake Lockley's perspective and he'll wake up and kind of pass out and do the same thing. And I think we'll get another one uh, from Mark's perspective. Um, and then eventually they'll catch up by episode three or four and we'll actually see the whole origin story by three or four of Mark, uh, be, you know, dying and getting the stuff. Um, and I mean, just from, from what we hear, I don't know if you have any more, if you have any predictions, but I think we're going to find out obviously that Arthur is the new avatar for Amit. Um, and I think uh, that's what it's going to be. And I think Mark is the, uh, is the avatar for Conchu. And I think that's where this big, uh, you know, the big fight will be at the end will be between these two avatars. And it'll be cool if we actually saw Conchu fighting that creature, like, that would be awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. No, absolutely. But yeah, it was it was good. I'm super excited. I can't wait for more of it. I mean, this is this context is interesting though. I mean, I think that they're going to, um, they're definitely going to add more. I do have recommended reading. Like I said, are we are going to get into that now? Done, yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless you have any so, predictions. Uh, no, I have no predictions. And I'm, I'm not, as I've told you before. I got into your predictions and we got burned. I've been, I've, I have PTSD from the burn from WandaVision. The Mephisto no burn. The Mephisto burn. This, the expecting. Uh, we all I, I have really, Mephisto burn, Chris. We all have Mephisto burn. The fact that the Reaper uh, never showed up in WandaVision. I'll never. Or never Kassan, who might show up, it looks like, in Multiverse Not at all. Madness. I just, I'll never forget, you know, we had one more episode to go and you believed that 45 different characters were probably going to show up. And of course they did not. Not at all. So, um, you know, no predictions, I guess. I just kind of want to see where it goes. Um, but I, I, I well, I'll tell you what they are going to do. They um, they are going to have a couple different versions of Moon Knight. We already know from the... the uh, oh, yeah, Mr. Knight. Or, or, Mr. Knight's going to show up, and that'll be my recommended reading next time. I don't know if Mr. Knight shows up in this next episode. I think they'll probably wait for him to show up in, like, episode three or four. But that's one of my rec- recommended readings. It was a really good uh, book by Warren Ellis. And that was another time where Moon Knight kind of pops up. Moon Knight has this, uh, has, if you put him on a bar graph of popularity, is pretty low and pretty flat. And then he has spikes that actually get him pretty high that are as far as, you know, 
I don't know about sales and, and, you know, actual money that they're making off of Moon Knight, but as far as critical acclaim, there's some big spikes. And one of those spikes, 1993 Moon Knight starts with uh, issue number 55. This is for both of us Gunner, and everybody else listening. 1993 is Moon Knight, 1955. Uh, it is, I don't know who the writer is because at the time in 1993, it actually doesn't matter, but it's actually called Mark Spector Moon Knight. Uh, that's what it's called. Um, and the artist is Stephen Platt. He was a huge deal in the 90s. He, I don't know if he's doing anything at all right now, but you'll see why he's a huge deal in the 90s because he's quintessential 90s. It's like 55 through 60 is is the run. So not a whole lot. It's five issues, um, but it's Mark Spector. And I think that would be definitely my, my recommended reading uh, before the next episode because it might give us some insight. It might not. I don't know. I, I remember reading it, just leafing through it. And I didn't read the words. I was just really blown away by the artwork. And then I put it back on the shelf. I never bought. I don't know that I've ever purchased a Moon Knight in my entire life. Um, but I didn't, I didn't really read it. I just looked at the art and then put it back. So I think this will be interesting for both of us. And we can come back with a book report at the beginning of tomorrow. Next that. episode. I will do that. Okay. 1993's Moon Knight. Mark Knight, Mark Spector Moon Knight, starting in issue 55. Nice, nice. So um, I, did I share with you? Um, so again, on uh, MCU's Bleeding Edge, uh, we were talking about Hawkeye. And uh, oh. and uh, they're like, well, what is if they did a season two of Hawkeye, what would it be? And I said, well, they're not going to do it. But I tell you my uh, they do this on here. My thoughts so. on how what they what would make an awesome season two of Hawkeye. What? All right. So bear with me here. I'm, 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 I'm going to get a little bit into it. So essentially, it's going to start with kind of that that last quarter of the Matt Fraction run where uh, Kate Bishop goes to. Kate Bishop, yeah where Kate Bishop goes to Los Angeles. And in my telling of it, she goes to Los Angeles to see her college friend, who, of course, we see in the first episode. Um, so he goes to visit her, and she's dating a movie star. Okay. Dating a movie star. And so all this stuff happens, and of course, the uh, this this movie ends up with the formation of the West coast Avengers because of course that movie star is the great Wonderman, And we have Ty Tigra who is her friend. She's been introduced and somehow yeah. you, you push in Ant-Man and Wasp and you set up James Gunn's next Marvel project, West coast Avengers. That would be amazing. And uh, I think James that, Gunn would, would kill it. And you can even put in there, you can put in that once they form the West coast Avengers that they get, they get charged with um, the great uh, U.S. Uh, U.S. agent as the leader yeah. of West Coast Avengers. Well, it'd be cool if he. I mean, I wouldn't. I mean, it would be cool if they mixed the newer West Coast Avengers, which is Kate Bishop and America Chavez, and then some of the old. And then because we haven't seen them, it wouldn't. It would make sense to to introduce some of the original members like uh, Tigra and then Wonderman. I don't think it could be Nathan Fillion because he's just too goddamn old but that would be awesome um he's you know, a I think movie that that star would... he is not too old he will be wonderman james gunn will make it dating... so he'd be too old to be dating kate bishop no no, no he's dating cool. tigra kate bishop's friend he's oh, a movie star he yeah, dates supposed... young women but he's still they're yeah, like they're in their they're... 20s all right he's in his 50s at least right I mean, you can, but I think it would make more sense. I, I think a younger Wonderman would be good. I think there's a lot of good people that could be Wonderman, but I would also, you could have a canary in there. 
um, White Vision should show up in the West yeah. Coast Avengers. I mean, they're setting it up. Yeah, I mean, he's I mean, about if James Gunn's going to do it, he's going to take the most obscure people and make it awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think, I think he it, would pull off Modoc also. Make Modoc the would, main villain. He would. He yeah. made Starro awesome. He's he going to do. He's going to do. I think that. I think though that you couldn't do. I think that it would be James Gunn. I don't think it would be as good if they used the U.S. agent from Falcon Winter Soldier. I just don't know. I don't know. I mean, it would be a completely different character than what we've seen. It would have to be off the wall. And it would should be closer to the U.S. agent that is actually from West Coast Avengers because mm-hmm. he was a douchebag. He was a hardcore douchebag. And I honestly think the U.S. agent that we have right now is too nice. Even now, as he, you know, made his own shield and is, is violent. Which was destroyed that woman that's in like five seconds. Right, right away, right away. It was so funny. But but I think that 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 wouldn't work, even especially in a James Gunn movie. It would have to be, you know, they have to crank everybody up. But that would be that would be amazing. I would love to see West Coast Avengers. There's some stuff in the new West Coast Avengers. that's not great. Like they I think that book came out at this point, maybe five years ago. And they were they wanted they sort of did it like the real world. So they had them like doing confessionals to cameras like no one really does that anymore. So I think they could easily take that piece out. But I think West Coast Avengers, that's as you know, you know, second, probably second only to X-Men, you know, it would be higher up except that it was so short, but West Coast Avengers is awesome. You got so me good. into that back in the WandaVision days and it's so I good. loved, I mean, it, it bled into, uh, it bled into the story of, uh, King the Conqueror. Yeah. You got that, yeah. you got, uh, white vision, uh, you know, and the death of vision and Wonderman. Oh, just, well, it just it awesome. just does what it does what it's a perfect mix of the Avengers and the X Men because X Men was really focused on sort of the drama of the superhero team and be and, and kind of hanging out and living together, which one of the big issues that they have in one of the like arcs of West Coast Avengers is that Vision is actually some of his personality comes from Wonderman and it's there and then Vision's actually or Wonderman's actually in love with Scarlet Witch and she's in love with Vision which that whole shit that's amazing. None of that has to do with superhero stuff at all. No. Um to the fact that you know the fact that there's a husband and wife in I don't know if they're dating or husband and wife at the time but Hawkeye and Canary Black Canary or mm-hmm. is it Black Canary? I can't remember. But I think it's Black Canary, but I think that might be the DC. I can't remember, but just that whole dynamic. It's it's so, so No, it's good, Mockingbird, isn't it? Mockingbird, thank you. Yes, yeah, Mockingbird. Yeah, I, I always get them confused because they have the exact same costume. But yeah, Mockingbird, like that's that whole deal is good. So yeah, I think it would be it would be really a West Coast Avengers, a James Gunn West Coast, James Gunn West Coast Avengers. Yeah, absolutely. That would be that would be for me, that would be amazing. It would be just for me. Like that's like if I could do my movie, James Gunn, West Coast Avengers, and then he could pick. I mean, I think whoever he picks from the West Coast Avengers, um, it's going to be a good choice. I mean, obscure, more obscure, the better. But a U.S. agent, I think I would if I if it's a James Gunn and it's almost too bad that they haven't that they've already cast U.S. agent and they have to stick with that because John Cena as U.S. agent. Oh, that, that would be perfect. That would be absolutely perfect. Well, I mean, um, he can just be a different character that is. I mean. I don't think they ever said the name U.S. agent, so they can just make it a different U.S. agent. I mean, they would. I mean, it would just be. It would make. It would be really funny. Or if they had multiple U.S. agents, I mean, they could yeah. do that. But but John Cena as U.S. agent, that Peacemaker, would be perfect. I think I think Peacemaker is better than every Marvel show out there. I think you might be right. I don't. <sighs> yeah. Well, because I, I like action comedy is my genre. Mm-hmm. Action comedy, you're all. It's always going to win. And I think that what. The shows that we've watched have, they're not action comedies. They're action that has, they have comedy, funny bits in it and there's comedy in it. But it's not, it, whereas um, 
Peacemaker's action comedy, over the top, ultra violent action comedy. That's that's it. Like that's what I want to see like all the time, and that's really good. But yeah, I, I would. Yeah, West Coast Avengers. I don't know if they're going to do that. That would be great. Has nothing to do with Moon Knight, as we always. But it topic, does because but... Moon Knight was a member of the West Coast Avengers for a while. Was he? Yes. What? Yep. Are you yeah. sure you didn't just try out for the West Coast Avengers? Because I remember there was a tryout. No, he was in it, I believe. I. I mean, you could be right. I just that's that's shocking. No, look at that. What issue is this? Twenty one. He's on the cover. And he and he shows up at forty one. His different personalities, huh? I don't know that I've read that. Well, that's my right now. I'm not recommending it. I don't know what happened. Maybe I don't know what happened to that one. It's it's issue twenty one. I have to own it. I don't know that I've ever read that. I have to take a look at this. Doctor Pym and Moon Knight. Yeah, I'll take a look at this. I got to read the West Coast Avengers stuff. I, I I've liked it forever, but I got to go back to it. I have all of them, and I only got into it maybe not even ten years ago. Like it's not like I found them as a kid and loved them. Like I found them later because everybody talked about them, and people did the same thing with Excalibur, which is kind of an X Men group, and it was not as good. But West Coast Avengers is gold. Um, I have to look at that. There's a couple different series though, and I think this might be a different series. It's eighty seven. I got to take a look. And I'll read that was my recommended reading. I'll, I will take a look at West Coast Avengers number 21, Moon Knight. That's what I, that's our two recommended books. So, all right. Well, Gunnar, I'm so excited. I cannot wait for the next episode. Me too. Again, I think Jake Lockley is going to fill in the details of what happened when we lose Stephen. Yeah. Awesome. So, all right, man. Well, uh, I don't have anything else. If you don't, I guess you can follow us on all the information. We have wideopenmic.net is all of our information. And uh, look us up there, man. And the only other thing I have to say, Chris, is remember, go for the head. And also is right.